Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we are giving you our most impactful rookie from every single team in the NFL without using first round selection. So anything from round two all the way through an undrafted free agent, we are going to tell you who we think is going to be the most impactful rookie on each team. And also some shout outs that maybe guys who won't be the most impactful, but guys who will have contributing roles will definitely matter. I'm Trevor Sycamore. With me as always is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers. Joining you guys after some much-needed R&R. A little rest and relaxation after the draft. We know you guys... So many people tweet at us, Connor, and we're like, Are we alive? Where, where is the episode on Sunday? And uh, we absolutely love you guys for it, but ended up having a, a scheduling conflict on Sunday. So we're bringing this to you guys on a on a Monday evening. But uh, Connor, it's good to see you again, my friend. I feel like it's been 10 days, and that might have been the longest stretch that I've ever had, not seeing you or hearing your voice in the past year. So, buddy, how the hell are you? I'm good, man. It was funny. I said to you when we got on and did our classic talk 30 minutes before recording the show the routine <laughs> that we always do. I'm like, it was nice, but I also felt a little empty, like I was missing something all week. Um, but man, it's it's good to be back on. I, I'll tell you what, Trevor, like today we're going to have a really fun show. We are going to do impact rookies for every team without using first round picks. So, and to be honest, when I did this exercise, I tried to avoid always doing the second rounder. Like there's a couple <laughs> UDFAs here and there and things like that. But I'm gonna be honest, like as much as I'm excited for this show, it's gonna be awesome. I'm also really excited to start to put a bow on this draft class until we get a look at these guys in preseason and as rookies and get into our summer scouting down the road. That part of me is like, I'm starting to get that itch a little bit again. And it's really nice. Dude, I, I cannot remember if I felt exactly this way last year but i already have the desire to get the next year's documents going like like to set up the google sheet for the 2024 class to start diving into some of the tape on some of these guys and i I don't know if it's just because for the last like two months we had to dance around saying that this class wasn't really as star-shotted at this top as we've seen in other years and feels a little bit like it but also this next class coming up i don't mean to be a grass is always greener kind of a guy but there's a lot of at least notable names you know i felt like going into this class there was a lot of figuring out you know you had to learn about who these prospects were this upcoming class it really does feel like there's a ton of guys we already know at the very top and in what's projected to be the top 50, top 75, top 100, whatever it's going to be by the time we get to the end of summer scouting. So I'm very excited to get to that, but you're right. Before we get to those episodes, we have a fun one today. You mentioned it. We're talking about our favorite or most impactful selections, I should say, from every team in the NFL outside of round one. So you want to just go in alphabetical order? Is that the best way to do this? Yeah, Uh, whatever, however. Whatever I feel, works. I feel like alpha. I don't know how you set it up in your document. I have it in alphabet, alphabetical order. Do you have it by division? I, yes, because I just used the doc I made for grades. Okay. And just made a new cell next to it called Impact mm. Rookie, not Smart round man. one. But like, man. it's not going to take me very long to navigate uh, by alphabetical order. So you will lead us to the promised land because yours is in alphabetical order and I will piggyback with my selection for each. Well, now that I'm thinking about the pod it. on the pod. Now, now, now that we're doing the pod on the pod, it might be easier for timestamps if we do it by division. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> All right, let's do it by division. We're doing let's... it by division, folks. Come back. We are division? so back. My God, we're like we never left. We haven't missed a beat. We've been gone for what? Ten days? I don't know. Eight days? Nine days? We have not missed a beat. We are planning the pod on the podcast, and we are starting with the NFC East, there and we is. are starting with the New York Giants. Trevor. This is actually a pretty good one because the Giants got some value across the board in this draft, even after taking Deontay Banks in round one. But who do you like from their group uh, to really help out Big Blue this year? Most impactful player, I think he's probably going to be John Michael Schmitz. I mean, I love Deontay Banks, right? I mean, he he was one of my favorite fits of the entire class. We raved about him in the draft grades episode. Him and his man coverage skills getting to go along with – Don Martindale and his his man coverage tendencies of their defense coordinators can be perfect. But for me, I do feel like John Michael Schmitz is going to have the biggest impact for them. You sign Daniel Jones to a massive contract. You've got to make sure the offensive line is set up front. Shoot, I, this dude's got a, a chance to start right away, right? I mean, like, if I'm looking at the depth chart, is. who else is going to stand in front of him? Like, Shane Lemieux is kind of the only guy in the depth that, might be able to play a center for you if you don't think John Michael Schmitz is ready, but he's such an experienced player from his time in Minnesota. I feel like that's not going to be an issue. It sometimes is for offensive linemen and just any player really, but not Michael Schmitz background. So as a player who I'm projecting for a strong starting role, that's got to be the guy that, that I'm pointing to as the highest impact player. Yeah. And, and getting away you know, from doing round one, which I, I really didn't do for any of these, it it has to be him. And you like Jalen Hyatt, but mm-hmm. I, I like Jalen Hyatt year one, at least, to make more an impact in terms of his presence than catching 10 touchdowns that are 50-yard bombs in an offense that I don't know if they're ready to do that yet, quite yeah, honestly. I, I don't think that's something... You know, if Brian Dable was back in Buffalo with Josh Allen, maybe they look at that that way. And Daniel Jones should take more chances this year, a little more comfort, uh, a little more help. But this is year one. And John Michael Schmitz has played what? Like 2,400 snaps already at the college level. He's somebody that should slot in right at center for them and not really skip a beat. Yep. So I, I thought that one was not low-hanging fruit, but it, it's he's a non-round one guy that has a road to logging the most snaps out of any rookie in this entire draft. That's not a quarterback. Um, so we'll stick in, We'll stay in the division and we'll yeah. go with the Philadelphia Eagles next. Uh, yep. we'll, we'll, we'll take the Eagles. Who is your guy outside of round one that you think is the most impactful for this group? I went with Tyler Steen because when oh, you look at the Eagles okay. draft class, they are in a situation that, you know, they went up and got Keely Ringo later on, but there's a lot of good corners on that team already. It felt like Keely's the guy that they can mold the way they want for when they do eventually move on from one of the veterans. I like Sidney Brown. Number one, I had a feeling you were going to talk a lot about Sidney Brown. And there you go. And yeah, and number two, with Steen, you know, this draft got so much attention from the Georgia guys they took. And Steen, being a top 70 pick, kind of got buried in all of this. And when you look at the Eagles roster, maybe he's an injury away from playing. Mm-hmm. Maybe he comes in and and kicks so much ass at guard that he starts, honestly. And Steen's a classic case of a guy in a little similar way to Matthew Bergeron that you like him so much better when he kicks inside. And he got to do that at the Senior Bowl. I think he is an excellent run blocker. I think with all the help he'll have on this offensive line, 
They can cover up some pass pro developing early on. And I think he fits everything the Eagles want in their interior offensive linemen. So he gets no flash in a class full of in a class full of flash. But I really like Tyler Steen to help out this offense. Yeah, we saw it very similarly because the two guys that I gravitated towards immediately for this answer for Philadelphia was Tyler Steen or Sidney Brown. I figured that you talk about Steen when we talked about him even pre-draft. Both of us liked him a lot in a potential transition to guard. And I do think there is a world in which he becomes their starting left guard, right? I think the left guard spot is the one that's... No, it's the right guard spot that that, that Cam Jurgens would step into. So, right. I, but that's I think a that weird... Cam Jurgens at guard is just still weird to me. He's just... He, he is a... He would be a much smaller guard. And if you want a bigger body there, Tyler Steen definitely makes sense. And then you can that's have Jurgens just be a versatile guy along the interior offensive line. Obviously he's going to take over. We think he's going to take over once Jason Kelsey ends up retiring. Um, But for right now, I I do think that Tyler Steen's a strong selection for this question that we're asking. I'm going to go with Sidney Brown. I love Sidney Brown. He was a top 50 player for me Uh, with them losing Chauncey Garner Johnson. I think that it's more than just losing the versatility because they signed Terrell Edmonds, and Terrell Edmonds is an experienced guy where he's got some versatility, has a strong safety, and coming down at the linebacker level. You know, for a nickel corner, I think I'd probably trust Sidney Brown a little bit more. But Sidney gives you that, that energy level that I feel like this Philadelphia secondary and defense as a whole just feeds off of. The personality and play style of Sidney Brown fits so well with what we have seen from Philly over the last couple of years that that honestly is why I think this dude's going to get on the field. I really do. I think he's going to be a part of that safety rotation because he's played every single spot during his time at Illinois. He's got the athleticism to move. He's got the, uh, he's got the, the motor that never stops. He'll take any assignment. He's got fantastic instincts, right? You watch this past year at Illinois and they let this guy almost just play this amoeba position where they, they said, Sydney, just roam the field. Go where you think right. the ball is going. And he was often right there, either at the catch point or very soon after. So um, that's something that as long as the speed of the game isn't too overwhelming for him at the pro level, uh, I really think that we could be in for a strong second half and playoff push contribution from Sidney Brown for the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, it makes a ton of sense. A good athlete, a role that, you know, when you're a safety and you're not drafted to start right away, you are either one injury away from playing significant reps or you're in a secondary that's going to roll out three safeties when needed and be mm-hmm. that kind of chess piece player. So I like the Sydney Brown call out. I, I really, really do. Um, that moves us over to the Dallas Cowboys. Trevor, this one, I went wildly off the board, wildly oh, off the board. Where'd we go? I <laughs> went with Hunter Loopkey, the UDFA superback. Wow. And you look, look at, at Dallas. You. You look at Dallas. Yes, they drafted Deuce Vaughn, who can mm-hmm. be a nice little third down, pass catching kind of back. I love Tony Pollard. I do. But those two and Rojo, it just felt like there's this. And I think Lupke got $200,000 guaranteed. They, make a, they made a big UDFA investment in him. Mm. I look at the Cowboys roster and just go, man, there's a role for this guy as the big bruiser. There really is. And he's such a good pass catcher at North Dakota State. He ran like a he ran a big route tree. I mean, wheel routes. He ran all kinds of different routes effectively. Yeah. I look at Dallas's backfield, unless they plan on bringing Zeke back into the fold. This guy's going to get burned. He really should. He should make the team. 
They should use him. He's a short yardage back. He's a good runner. He can catch the ball. His blocking is getting better. I I just, I think this is the dude. I really do. Yeah. And I mean, there's not really anybody else who's close to his profile. What's in right? his way right, right now? Like it, like even if, even if you want him to be just like a fullback type or a short yardage kind of a back, Hunter Luke is pushing 240. He's like 6'1, 240. Who weighs the most on this roster right now? What's Tony Pollard weigh? Tony Pollard, they right, got him at 209. All right, good guess. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, Ronald Jones, they've got him listed at 208. I mean, Rico Dowdle, Dowdle from South Carolina is at 215, but he's the only guy who's close. So he definitely fits a mold where you could see this guy as a special teamer or utility player out of the backfield making the team. So I like this call out. This is a good one. Didn't Mike McCarthy say to, he did. He said, I want to run the damn ball in March. Like, listen, Kellen Moore's gone. Mm-hmm. Mike McCarthy's doing his I want to take the ball out of the quarterback's hands routine. I think Hunter Lupke makes this team. I really do. I I love the call out. You went deep with this one. I, yeah. I look like I look like a coward because oh, I'm going to say you're fine. I'm going to say their second round pick. I'm going to say Luke Schoonmaker, right? Yeah, he'll you, be on the field, too. You lose Dalton Schultz, and they've got a deep tight end room there. They have Jake Ferguson. They've got Peyton Hendershot, who both of those guys were contributors last year anyways, even with Schultz there. But Shoemaker is a player who I felt like was underutilized at Michigan. I think he's got three-down ability. He is a – he's not the most imposing blocker, but he's a very willing blocker to me. He's somebody who's always going to give it his all in that area. And it's not like he's a liability there either. I think he's got really nice stop start ability. He could turn the hips. He can hit the comeback routes. He can hit fade routes and corner routes when it comes to red zone situations. So I really do think that the best ball could be ahead for Luke Schoenmacher. And so he is the, the player in this group who, I would bet on the most outside of Mazzy Smith, who I think is going to get up on the field no matter what, because he's he a first round pick. He's the player who I would say is the most impactful for the Cowboys. What about the commanders? Commanders are the last team here in this division. What do you think about a player outside of round one? So outside of Emmanuel Forbes, who can make the biggest impact? Chalk for me, Jartavius Martin's going to be awesome in this yeah. defense. And there's yeah. just no other way to deny it. I, I really like the offensive linemen they took. I mean, I really do. I think Stromberg's their future starting center. I was a big fan of Braden Daniels as this chess piece O-line, like Swiss Army. Hey, we need you to pinch in at left tackle. Hey, can you kick into guard? Can you snap the ball? But looking at just this year, I mean, Jartavius Martin should be their nickel from day one. And I think he's going to be awesome. I really, really do. I love his athleticism. I think he, he has ball skills. I think he's a tough player coming downhill. Um, I loved this pick for them. I, I There was part of me that wanted to go KJ Henry, but... Their front four is so loaded, and they even have depth behind him that I think KJ Henry was a pick maybe for two years from now. So Jartavius Martin should be really good right away for this team. Yeah, so I looked at this question and didn't necessarily think it was the biggest impact from year one. And so I think I I figured one of us was going to go with Jartavius Martin because we should, right? He's one of the very few safety nickel hybrid players who when we say safety we don't just mean strong safety we mean he has the athleticism to play free safety as much as be a sub package defender so one of us had to talk about him no matter what stromberg you you know he's got the potential to be a uh, starting center for them so if he ends up being elevated to a starting role at the center of that offensive line that's obviously an impactful pick but kj henry is interesting to me because 
of the situation that the commanders are in with Chase Young and Montez Sweat. By declining Chase Young's fifth-year option, they have put themselves in a situation where both Sweat and Young are unrestricted free agents next offseason. They've already got all the money in John Allen. They've already got all the money in, in Deron Payne. If both of those guys ball out, Sweat and Young, which I'm sure that they would love for that to be the case, they're probably only going to bring back one. At best yeah. case scenario, they can only bring back one. They've so paid KJ, a lot of guys already. So KJ Henry might have a starting role on this team next year and the year after. So I think that with the kind of pass rusher that he develops into, he deserves a shout out as well. My answer, you know what? I'll just, for fun, I'll just say that it's KJ Henry. I, I think I that like he could be an impactful guy for them there. So you got Jartavius Martin from you. You got KJ Henry from me. Uh, where are we going next? What team, what division? All right. So let's just go right through the NFC here then. We'll okay. go to the NFC North. Uh, starting with the Bears, for me with this one, it, it did take a little bit, you know, a, a, an adventurous approach because it doesn't seem that obvious. But I think Roshan Johnson is just too good Ooh, in their backfield. I like it to not eventually be the guy. I, I like Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert just feels like this guy that'll always be your one B back. Can he stay healthy with the full workload? I don't know. I like him as the one B kind of guy. Deontay Foreman has had such an interesting career, but the downhill north and south running of Roshan Johnson in this offense, I mean, I really think he just becomes their Jamal Williams kind of player for me, maybe even a little bit more juice as a younger guy. So I think Roshan Johnson is going to just get to, they're going to get to camp and they're going to look at him and be like, oh, this guy's too good. We're going to have to get him carries and, and touches in the pass game right away. I, I wonder if they look at him like David Montgomery, right? And they're not built the same. Not They're not visually the same player, but they're both those power type of players, right? So mm -hmm. you had you already had Khalil Herbert, but they had Khalil Herbert last year when they had Montgomery. So they're looking and for they the still smash. And on Montgomery. Right, and they're still looking for the smash and dash no matter what. So is it going to be Deontay Foreman or is Roshan Johnson really going to be able to stand out? So I like that call out a lot. That one makes a ton of sense. Mine is an easy one, but you guys who have listened to this podcast even before the draft know that I'm not just cherry picking on the second round pick. This is my dude. He was a top 40 player for me in Tyreek Stevenson, the corner out of Miami. You and I were chatting a little bit when we were going through mock draft exercises before draft weekend that, Hey, why aren't we talking about corner as more of a priority need for the Chicago bears? And I love the fact that they went after Tyreek Stevenson in the second round, because Connor, I genuinely think he can be the starter on the outside opposite Jalen Johnson. And to me, yeah. that's a really nice man coverage duo that you have with those two guys on the outside. Um, then you got Kyler Gordon, the rookie from last year. You could play him in the nickel. You got the safeties, Jaquan Brisker. You got Eddie Jackson, those guys. And like, that is a really nice young secondary there for me. But I do think that there is a clear path to Stevenson being able to start in year one and beyond with his skill set. So I like Stevenson more than you anyways. Uh, so this this one was kind of an, an easy one for me. I knew you weren't going to pick him. I'll also shout out Tyler Scott, right? Tyler Scott, the wide receiver out of Cincinnati, being a fourth-round pick, I don't know exactly where he's going to fit in this wide receiver room as it currently stands. It's, it's decently full. They traded for uh, DJ Moore. They've got Chase Claypool. They had Darnell Mooney. Uh, they've got Equiminius St. Brown as well. Now they have Tyler Scott. Is Tyler Scott just that designated deep guy? Even if that's the case, I think he can succeed for them. But I think his starting role with Stevenson still matters more to me. So uh, those are our two for the Bears. All right, so we move over to the Green Bay Packers. 
this one for me, Trevor, is Tucker Craft. And that might be, you know, maybe a little odds of people when you look at it and go, well, he wasn't even the first tight end they took. But I look at Tucker Craft compared to Luke Musgrave. Number one, he's on a roster. Um, God, you look at the Bears. They, they were in, I mean, the Bears, the Packers. Mm. I want to make sure I get this right. Yeah, last year, they were in 12 personnel on 314 of their offensive snaps. That's almost 30% of their snaps. That's a lot. That's a lot. So whether you like Musgrave or not, and I'm I'm not as high on him, both of these guys are going to be on the field. They are going to play two tight end sets. There's nobody else in that tight end room that scares you of getting reps over them. I look at Tucker Craft. He's a way better blocker than Musgrave. He's stronger. I thought he's much more impressive after the catch in terms of his power. I really, really liked him. Um, I really did. So I looked at, you know, this is a team that made a lot of draft picks and a lot of draft picks that have opportunity Mm -hmm. to play this year, whether it's Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, Grant DuBose, both Kraft and Musgrave in a tight end room that has nothing really that scares you to get playing time over them. Uh, We can talk about the defense, obviously, but... Man, I think Tucker Kraft, because of his ability on the line of scrimmage, is the guy for this team right away. Yeah, my answer also would have been Tucker Kraft. If you went somewhere else, I was going to take Tucker Kraft for that reason. This is a team that has uh, wanted to utilize multi-tight end sense. I, I just don't think that they had the talent to be able to do so, so I'm glad that you pointed that out. Good on you for having the numbers to back it up there. I'll go with Jaden Reed, though, because for as much as... Look, I, I kind of thought this on draft night. When they drafted Jaden Reed, I was like, man, where's Jaden Reed going to play? It's like, they already got the two young receivers. There's got to be some veterans in that room. Where's he going to crack the lineup? Dude, I, I'm I'm looking at the depth chart now. And with Lazard gone and just the rest of that wide receiver room looking completely different, you got Christian Watson on the outside. You got Romeo Dobbs on the outside. Jaden Reed could genuinely be their starting slot receiver. And Dude, you, you take Jaden Reed that early, he better be. Like well, he, that, better, yeah, that's true he too. better be. And remember when we were in Mobile for the Senior Bowl, or as Will McDonald liked to call it, the Reese's Bowl. Is that what he said? Yeah, I think that I'm pretty sure that Jim Nagy like because he he had said that in an interview and Jim Nagy quote tweeted it and he's like every so many players just call it the Reese's Bowl. Like that's just what they call it. They don't call it the Senior Bowl. They call it because the they're bowl. so used to like whatever branding they're stuck wearing for eight days in a yeah, row. Right, it's true. It's the bowl. I get it. It's Look, funny. They get free Reese's. I you know. Yeah, this, this could be the Reese's pod if Reese's wants to. They want it. Sponsor it, right? So it. Um, anyways, Jaden Reed, when I looked at it for this exercise, I, I found a clear path for him to be a starting slot receiver. And going back to what we saw in Mobile, he was cooking people off the line of scrimmage in a way Good. that I did, I did not expect. You know, when I looked at Michigan State tape from him, and the reason why he was lower on my wide receiver rankings is because a lot of his shorter stuff – was very schemed up. It wasn't him necessarily getting open quickly off the line of scrimmage, getting into his routes, really cooking people um, close within 5, 10 yards. And then the not schemed up stuff seemed to be all vertical. Like he just seemed to be kind of a vertical receiver. At the senior bowl was different though. So maybe they see him that way. Maybe they see him as that off the line of scrimmage artist in his footwork and his releases and somebody who could really separate when you give him those two-way goes and a lot of space off the line of scrimmage. So I'll, I'll say Jaden Reed since you took Tucker Craft. The Vikings here, 
I'll give you the floor first for this one. Where do you like for Minnesota? I went a little deeper on this one as well. I mean, most, okay, most impactful is probably Makai Blackman because this corner room needed a major upgrade. Blackman is somebody who I think has got a diverse skill set. He's going to be able to play right away. And so in terms of players who are going to have a guaranteed impact, it feels like like Makai Blackman, Blackman. But I will shout out my boy, Dwayne McBride, because I don't know how much longer Dalvin Cook's going to be there. We heard rumblings this offseason of teams trying to trade for him. You know, is he going to be on his way out? How much longer is he going to be in Minnesota? So if Dalvin Cook is on his way out, Dwayne McBride could very well be that guy who slides into a major contributing role at running back. And so that's that's I I, I think the obvious answer is Makai Blackman because of the opportunity he has to be a starter. But wanted to give McBride a shout out, had to as my RB3. It makes you wonder when they brought back um, Alexander Madison mm-hmm. and did use a pick on McBride. Mm-hmm. Is there a small chance Cook is moved or cut post June one? We'll see. We'll see. But what was Madison's contract? Okay, so it was a two year. All right. I mean, that's that's kind of like a standard because you would want to yeah. give him this year, and then you don't want to be caught having to re-sign him next year and lose exactly. that sort of leverage. So that makes sense. Yeah. I went with Jaqueline uh, Roy. Okay. Because this, or is this show like to call him over summer, Jaqueline Ra, Wa, like Patrick Wa, Wa? the goalie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this deep line was also like your point with the secondary. I mean, I could have taken Makai Blackman. I could have taken Jay Ward. This secondary needs a lot of help. This defensive line needs a lot of help as well. At mm-hmm. a minimum, Jaqueline Roy is going to rotate in on this defensive line. And just because he was a fifth round pick, I like the effort that he plays with. I like the power that he plays with. So for Minnesota, a rotational interior player was a a big deal to get. And I think he will significantly help them out uh, on a huge weakness last year. The last one in this division is the Detroit Lions. Mm -hmm. Trevor, I'll be quick here because I went super chalk, but he's just too good to pass up. It's Brian Branch. I mean, they could have taken Brian Branch at 18, and I would have still felt this way. Instead, they got him in the 40s. Brian Branch is somebody you can move all around your secondary. I think he will make them a much tougher team up front. I think he could be that big physical nickel they've been looking for as well. My answer is obviously the same. It's Brian Branch, but I'll shout out Sam Laporta, right? Sam Laporta is going to (laughs) start. He is going to pass happy offense. He's going to play this year. And, and, you know, with them moving on from Hawkinson, I don't think it was that they didn't want to emphasize the tight end position in, in the passing game. They just didn't want to pay Hawkinson as if he was going to be a focal point no matter what, especially with Amon Ross St. Brown already on the team, with Jamison Williams already on the team, and with them probably saying, there's a good chance we get another receiver at some point, right? So in an offense where Hawkinson might have no matter what been the third, fourth go-to option in the passing game, they didn't want to pay him as if he was the second or first. So that's why you move on from him. But that's that doesn't mean that, oh, they don't want to get the tight end involved in the passing game at all. I, I don't think that that's true at all whatsoever. And I think them drafting Sam Laporta as high as they did signals that too. So he's going to be used in the offense. They are still going to throw the ball to tight ends, especially ones like Laporta who give you a lot of yards after the catch ability. So my answer is, is, the same with Brian Branch. 
But I would also feel feel comfortable shouting out Laporta too, because I think he's definitely going to have a place for him. Moving over to the NFC South, the Tampa Bay Bucks, pretty big draft class, looking for a lot of uh, guys that'll help up front. I went mm. with Yaya Diaby for this okay. one because at a minimum, his athleticism should get him on the field in passing situations. This is a team that I think they want to see more from Joe Tryon Choenka yeah. this season. They want to yeah. see more from Logan Hall. But wanting to see more doesn't guarantee you anything. Yaya Diaby is going to get looks, and he is a very explosive player. So the Bucks went into a mission in this draft. How do we become more explosive on the defensive line? And they walked out with Kalaja Kansi, Yaya Diaby, and Jose Ramirez. I think all three of those guys are going to help this year. Yeah. Diaby is certainly going to be in that defensive line rotation. The easy answer, and I'm glad that you teed it up for me, though, for most impactful rookies that aren't named Kalijah Kansi is without question Cody Mock to me. I, I think Mock is going to slide into a starting offensive guard role because of what's happening at tackle. Tristan Wirfs is moving from yeah. the right side to the left side, and Luke Gedeke, who is a utility player for them he could play on the interior and he started at the interior spot for a couple of games last season they're now moving him out to right tackle that leaves an open offensive guard spot for them they already projected Cody Mock to be an, uh, an interior player anyways and so I think that the interior offensive line with Gedecki moving and then also Shaq Mason's out of there as well a lot of a lot of snaps up for grabs and I think that Cody Mock's going to be a starter for this team in, the, in his rookie year he should be and being a second round pick with an opening there kind of indicates that he will be um, the Falcons for this one. I kind of had a feeling where you were going to go with this one. So well, I tried to, well, I tried to, should. I tried to zag a little bit um, <laughs> and went with Clark Phillips just because okay. I, I really think he could start in the nickel for them. If he shows that he's comfortable in the slot, that's what everybody's wondering with Clark Phillips, but Man, he's got good ball skills. They got kind of this wide-open corner competition for everybody besides A.J. Terrell. I mean, I know they traded for Akuda. They didn't give up enough for Akuda that they're guaranteeing him anything. I look at Clark Phillips and go, man, he's just, he's the classic case of he's small. He didn't test well. He's a good football player. He mm -hmm. always finds a way on the field, and that's what he'll do when he'll get into camp. This defense has gotten a lot tougher and more well-rounded and I thought there was a lot of value of where they got Clark Phillips. So I went with him because I would assume you're leaning on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. And I look, I, I love the shout out. I would love for Clark Phillips to be in contention for this highest impact player. I, I really would. I'm a little bit more scared of him going to the nickel just because of what I saw on tape with him in college. He was That's so fair. Much more comfortable on the outside, but he is such a good football player, man. I, I hope he figures it out because he's going to be a fun one if he does. Mine's obviously Matthew Bergeron. This is a player who I think is one of the top 50 players in this entire class. Uh, I think I ended up having him top 30 on, on my big board when it was all said and done. Actually, I think you almost had him top 20. I think I almost had him top 25. I think he was 26 overall. I feel like he could start for you at tackle, but I think he could be a damn solid offensive guard for you too. I think that that's where he's going to start. Um, and that really puts together a very solid offensive line for the Atlanta Falcons. You got Jake Matthews and Caleb Gary on the, uh, at the tackles spots you got chris lindstrom matthew bergeron and then drew dahlman at center that's a really solid five that's a five that i can have a lot of confidence in going into the season bergeron maybe doesn't have as much of a mean streak as like chris lindstrom does but i think that playing with that group he will 
because so Bergeron too. is somebody who loved the hand usage, loved the contact balance, loved that the feet are always churning. He's always trying to move people off of the spot. You can tell he takes a lot of pride in it. That's what Atlanta's offensive line has always been about uh, since Arthur Smith got over there a couple of years ago. So love the fact that he's getting to start. Um, and obviously that makes him a heavy impact rookie uh, for this year and beyond. Moving over to the Panthers, who did you like here? This one I thought was actually one of the more difficult ones to pick out of the group. Highest impact's got to be Jonathan Mingo, right? Uh, Maybe. Of, I So so I, I wrote an article over at PFF.com that identified my favorite picks for every team, and I tried to go a little bit deeper, and I ended up picking Chandler Zavala for, as my favorite, but yeah. Zavala, and I'm not sure if you're going to pick him or not, it, it kind of is the back, right? Can the back hold up? Because if it can, and you got probably a starter there for them. That's but, what I think. But Mingo... I think is going to be a starter for them no matter what. I mean, the rest of that off the, the rest of that offense, all of those targets are up for grabs. Right? It's a lot I, of guys. You know, Terrace Marshall Jr., okay. Is he going to be dominant for you? How many targets are you giving him this year? DJ Chark you brought in, Adam Thielen you brought in, but those are new faces. How much are they getting in the mix? LaVisca Chanel hasn't been what you wanted him to be. Mingo, he feels like that player that they drafted in the second round for a reason. You prioritize this kind of player because you love the size, speed, strength combination. And I think Mingo is going to get every chance to be a starting wide receiver for this team, even as soon as the first couple of weeks of the regular season. So I'll go I'll go with Jonathan Mingo here as my most impactful player. I agree with you on Mingo for a lot of the reasons he said. One more thing, too. Every receiver in that room around him, from Terrace Marshall to DJ Chark to Adam Thielen to LaVisca Chenault, all have injury problems. So yeah, even if you're worried about him point too. being in a room full of veterans, there's a chance he's just going to have to play. I will say that the dark horse candidate here is Savala because I think he can genuinely, just by his play and his reliability and pass protection, I think he can win that left guard job to play next to Icky. But you made the good point, Trevor, that the reason he was even there when they got him is because of the medical situation um, so we'll see what Zavala could do, but just on talent, if Zavala is healthy and ready to go and looks like the player he was last year in college, this offensive line is going to be really, really good, really good. And that's huge for Bryce Young, huge for Miles Sanders in this offense as a whole to round out the division, the New Orleans Saints here for me with this one, it took a little thinking, mm -hmm. but when you start to imagine where they took him the suspension pending suspension to Alvin Kamara Kendra Miller should have a really big opportunity to be an impact rookie and I like Jamal Williams Jamal Williams is your classic like perfect number two running back because he's good in pass pro he's great at the goal line he's good in short yardage if Kamara gets a lengthy suspension and they just start to kind of imagine this offense eventually without him Kendra Miller is the guy that's going to get the workload on the early downs. And when you look at the Saints draft class as a whole, I mean, Brzee went round one. We're not using him. Foskey's in the rotation. But outside of that, it's this is the Kendra Miller show from this draft. Yeah, I think the Kendra is obviously a great choice for highest impact player because of what you mentioned, the Alvin Kamara situ situation around him. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Nick Saldaveri, actually. Their fourth-round okay. pick. The one that they... Now, remember, the Saints traded up to be the first team to pick in day three. 
before the draft started because they wanted this dude. They moved up to go get Nick Saldaveri. And I think the reason why is because they think he could be the starting right guard for them. Over the last three years, Cesar Ruiz, his PFF grades in 2020, oh, this is overall blocking grades. In 2020, it was a 58.6. The next year, it was a 57.6. And the next year, it was a 56.6. So it's just gone down by a point every single year. The Saints declined the fifth-year option on Ruiz. So he is going to be a free agent after this season. I really do believe that Sal DeVere, who played offensive tackle at Old Dominion, but feels like he's probably more of a guard at the NFL level, he could earn that right guard spot. He could end up being Good a starting out. offensive lineman for this team. So I'll go with Sal DeVere here to round out this division. Really good call out. Moving on to the NFC West, we'll start with the Arizona Cardinals. Depending on his recovery, if he's good to go for like half of camp, mm-hmm. Garrett Williams is going to start mm-hmm. for this team. Mm-hmm. Garrett Williams is going to start for this team. And when Garrett Williams was healthy for Syracuse, he looked damn good. He showed off ball skills. He showed off to be um, pretty fluid in terms of his movement ability. I know the Cardinals maybe are in for a tough year, but that means get the kids the reps. Give them the reps. And there is a runway for all of the corner reps for Garrett Williams. I that would if you did, if you went with BG Ojolari, if you went with your dude, then I was gonna go with Garrett Williams. There's a lot of safe choices here. I'll I say know, that. I know I do I do love it, but you know, you know what I'm gonna you know what I'm gonna say? I'm gonna say sixth round pick, Keytrail Clark. Mm. Is going to be the most impact. Well, I, I mean, I I agree with you. I think it's probably going to be Garrett Williams. But if I'm if I'm getting cheeky up. with it, if I yeah, if, if I'm if I want to give a shout out here, Keytrail Clark, right? And I've got a couple of reasons why I think that would be the case. One, I think he's a really nice nickel corner. Loved what I saw from him when I watched the 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 Shrine Bowl practice tape. His instincts and his recognition was just so so advanced it was so impressive the way that he was able to sniff out plays before they were even started knew where the ball was going to go loved his recovery speed when he was able to put his foot in the ground and really get after the ball as it was released from the quarterback's hands trying to make an impact at the catch point he was doing that all week long at the shrine bowl so that is something that i absolutely love to see from him and then when you look at the depth chart right now i'm I'm just looking at our lads they have isaiah simmons as the nickel corner for this team as the nickel defender for this team. But we know that Isaiah Simmons is just kind of, you know, this Swiss army knife. You're going to be using him everywhere. So there's going to be plenty of weeks, plenty of, plenty of series where you're not going to have him as your nickel defender. They have Keetro Clark as the next guy in. And the, the way that I look at this roster, I kind of agree with that. Now their head coach, Connor, Jonathan Gannon, he's coming over from Philadelphia where they had a nickel corner who is quite small himself in Avante Maddox. So we know that he's not afraid of playing these feisty, quick corners with a lot of attitude and a lot of ball production, a lot of good instincts. So if Clark can show those things early on as a rookie, I genuinely believe that he can be an impactful nickel defender for them in certain situations. So uh, Ojolari is a great call out. Garrett Williams, a great call out. I, you, everybody out there knows that I love, love uh, Michael Wilson, but Clark could be a sneaky, impactful player for this team. And I just had to say that it's a good call out Arizona. They, their rookies are going to get a chance. Um, and another draft. Did you know the Rams draft was 14 players deep? I, I did. I did just because I've had to do so many damn write-ups on it. It's for a team that never drafts. They went the complete other way and had 8 million selections. A lot of them on day three. Mm-hmm. 
for me, Trevor, a guy that we really liked, I want to see Kobe Turner play a lot on this defensive line with Aaron Donald. And when you look at the roster in front of him, there's a chance that he does. There mm-hmm. really, really is. And the Rams are kind of fun because as much as they're in a weird retooling phase, they have so many draft picks that are in the second line right now for the team. They're mm-hmm. like all second stringers, and that can go one of two ways for them. And Turner was the guy I look at and go, man, he's played a lot of ball. He had a great season. He's in attack mode. He fits what they like to do up front. I think he's going to get going to get into camp. And they're like, ah, hey, we kind of like him wreaking havoc with Donald, not rotating to help Donald. So I went with Kobe Turner. I'm going to go with the player who I also has, uh, who I also think has a very streamlined spot to start. Byron Young. He does. I, who else is in front of him on the step chart as a pass rusher? No one. The answer is no one. Michael Hoyt? Nick Hampton's a rookie. Guys, they drafted. Byron Young's a Wookiee. A, a Wookiee. A, a rookie. <laughs> I, there's, no, I, there's nobody on this roster. That's really going to check. So the fact that he was drafted in the third round, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that, that that he's got all the all the chance in the world to start. Uh, he had one of the best first steps that we've seen in this class as a pass rusher. Now he, he still needs to learn what to do after he has that explosive first step, right? Get some pass rush profile to him. But uh, I think that there is a starting pass rush spot for the taking for him. And I, I think he's going to earn that. So you're going to see a lot of, at the very least, specialized moments for him to really show what he's got as a pass rusher this year. Seattle Seahawks. This one was like hitting a pinata and all of the options just fall out. And you're just like, which one do I grab first? <laughs> I mean, this draft class was insane. They all are going to have opportunity. We're not using the first rounders. We know Witherspoon and JSN are going to be sick. I love the interior offensive linemen they took, both of them, Anthony Bradford and Olu Olu with Timmy. Mm-hmm. But Trevor, I went Cameron Young. This defensive line, they lost in free agency. Uh, Al Woods went to the Jets. Mm-hmm. Quentin Jefferson went to the Jets. Uh, Puna Ford, did he sign yet? I know he's been out there for a long time. Oh, I thought he did. He's didn't been he out there. To, didn't he go to the Bills? Yes, he did go to the Bills. That was a great move by the Bills. The AFC East just basically signed all Seattle's D-line free agents. (laughs) Cameron Young's a great run defender. He's strong. He can stalemate. He can contain. He's going to play, and he should play a lot, and he's going to do all the bullshit that a lot of these guys probably don't want to do, honestly, in a defense that should attack. Derek Hall, Daryl Taylor, Taylor, and Chenin Wosu. Mm-hmm. Boye Mafe, those guys are pin your ears back and go. Mm-hmm. Cameron Young's like, okay, I'll take on two blockers. That's fine. Uh, Cameron Young, he might have no stats at the end of the year, and you're going to look and go, I oh, played 300 snaps, and he graded out as a 70, which is good, by the way, for a rookie. I, I feel good about Cameron Young. He's buried in a great draft class, but he's going to play, and I think he's ready to do it. I think I think the answer. Well, I, I love the shout out. I, I think that this whole whole Seattle class, top to bottom, was fantastic, and they're going to contribute at major, minor levels some way. I think that this whole class is going to fill out the depth of this roster. Zach Charbonnet is the pick for me because I know they're going to use him so much, right? Oh, Obviously, yeah. Kenneth Walker was phenomenal last year, but they're going to use a two back system. Uh, I, I think that they're going to lead heavily on their run game. And I think that Zach Charbonnet is going to hit the ground running, man. I don't think there's going to be really any kind of acclimation period. We already know that he's he's built for the NFL, right? He's got the size and the strength profile for it. Um, 
I think he's going to be ready for action very quickly. And he's going to be a major part of this rotation for them uh, as they try to make the playoffs again and, and make an even greater playoff push. So I think he's a perfect complement to what we saw from, from Kenneth Walker. So he's already going to be in that rotation pretty early. All right, the 49ers to close this out. Here's the thing with the 49ers. They, when they go to tight ends and they were in either 12 personnel or 22 personnel, over 21% of the time last year, about 22% of the time, they were in 12 or 22 personnel. Trevor, they ran the shit out of the ball when they did that. When they were in 12 personnel, they ran 61% of the time. When they were in 22 personnel, they ran 84% of the time. The pick for me here is Cameron Latu. When you look at the Niners' depth chart, they got Kittle. We know what he can do. Latu gets to Alabama, four-star defensive lineman, converts to tight end. I like what he could do on the move as a blocker. Once again, maybe the Cameron Young situation, not a lot of stats, but the film junkies and the fans of this team will know. I think it's Cameron Latu. I you could like go with Jake Moody. No. Uh, no I, didn't like, I didn't like this draft very much no. at all. Did you but... did you hear <laughs> did you hear our clip out of it? That I was Evan the... Sowers tweeted out? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, Evan's. I was Evan's on a... the couch. Uh, Evan's, rel- Evan's a good friend of mine. Shout out to Evan Sowers. He he's he's seems awesome. But I was like, <laughs> damn. I was like, we were ruthless. You were, were like, this draft stunk. And I'm like, it sucked. And you're like, it stunk. And it sucked. sucked. I'm like, oh my God. We're like usually a pretty happy-go-lucky pod. We're pretty optimistic because we're dealing with fan bases that are absolutely stuck in the mud because you are rooting for the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay. Well, the Niners have had a lot of good things happen. So I think they take it on the chin. They're and like, fine. we don't care. We're going to be awesome anyway. They're going to be doing, they're, they're going to be. But it was right. just, I listened and I was like, oh my God. Well, we went in. Okay. I didn't like the first pick. I didn't like the second pick. The third pick was okay. And then we're in round five. Yippee. Uh, right? So, yeah, yeah, uh, anyways, no, my no shout lies. out for uh, somebody who I think could be an impactful rookie is D. Winters, the linebacker from DCU. Mm, They're one. losing um, Aziz Al-Shahir, uh, who was a big-time contributor for them. Man, the, the Niners last year had a case for the best LB1 in the draft, or sorry, in the league, in Fred Warner the best LB2 in the draft in Dre Greenlaw, and the best LB3 in the league in Aziz Alshir. Like, they they had a case for each of those tiers. Not saying those three were the best linebackers no, in the fair. NFL, but every tier, LB1, LB2, LB3, they might have had the top player at every single tier. So you're losing Alshir. I think it was signed with the Tennessee Titans. Um, it's just going to leave some snaps at Sam linebacker for them. D winners might be able to fill that. And we know that it's a team that if the linebackers can stand out, they'll certainly play and they'll get them on the field. They'll let him be impactful. So TCU linebacker D winners in the sixth round. And he's got a chance to make an impact here in, in, in year one. I like that pick at a minimum. He sh- he's so fast. He should be a really ideal special teamer too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that one, you know, in a tough draft class, he he's one moving to the AFC, mm-hmm. the AFC East. We'll start with the jets. We'll go in the same order that we did the grades. Uh, for me here with the Jets, it, it kind of chalk. Although you can make the argument that maybe he doesn't start. Joe Tipman, mm. for me, they brought back Connor McGovern. They signed Wes Schweitzer as their backup interior guy. I think Tipman starts at center. It, maybe McGovern gets that veteran nod, but I, I'm not betting on that for the Jets. I think they saw Tipman and said, 
he's the kind of athlete that we could do things in our run game that we've dreamed of, and we have not had the center to do that since Nick Mangold's retired. So I went with Joe Tipman. Obviously, the, there was a lot of different guys that will get some playing time this year for the Jets, but Joe Tipman's going into – Robert Sala has said it's a camp competition to play. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. think Joe Tipman's going to come out on top. Yeah, I, and I think that that's the obvious pick just because of what you mentioned. You know, it's such a streamlined starting role. If you're a starting player in this draft, in the Jets draft class, then you're probably going to get that title. I'll say running back Izzy Abinaconda just because of yep. what he brings to the table, right? I like Michael Carter. Obviously love Brees Hall, but what's he exactly going to be like when he comes yeah. back? Can you give him a full running back load? Like, I, I, I like Carter for what he is. I think he's a really nice change of pace back. I think he's a really nice depth player. But when I'm looking at the rest of this jet step chart, especially for the running backs that are there, Travis Dye, Bam Knight, those are the other backs they have. Nobody's bringing the speed that Abinaconda is. So that's why I think he really has a chance to stand out and either be the RB2 or RB3 of this team because they're going to want to get the ball in this guy's hands just on the off chance that all the blocking lines up and this kid hits a lane and he is absolutely gone because he's got four, three speed. He's fast as hell. And so that he, he is somebody outside of Joe Timmon, who is the obvious one. He's somebody who I could see having a big impact for this Jets team. I'm with you. They should really take it slow with Brees coming back. You don't need to be the rushing King in September. You'd rather be playing in the, the big, meaningful stretch run. The Patriots for me, non combine invite. I think the earliest non combine invite selection of this draft Marte Mapu mm. New England's one of those teams that they love defenders like this you look at what they've been able to do with Kyle Duggar they're going to see some two tight end sets and you look at what Ma Marte Mapu can do whether it's as a safety as a linebacker really this box kind of player plays with his hair on fire New England I like their first three picks a lot but Mapu feels like a very Belichick guy that they love how different his usage can be uh especially his speed coming downhill i don't think there'll be much of a training wheels period for this guy in new england you know what's funny is that they drafted a kicker and a punter they drafted uh chad ryland the kicker from maryland and then bryce berenger from the punter from michigan state and i think they're both going to start so like that's inside that's their entire special teams like kicking units that are going to start for this team um, and they drafted Joe Cardona years ago. So, so they I love think, they love drafting special teams. Um, I think Mapu is the obvious answer here. So I would agree with you. Um, he's somebody that I, I think will have the highest impact outside of Christian Gonzalez, who I think is going to start right away. Keon White is going to be a rotational player. You know, maybe if one of City So or... Antonio Maffi ends up starting for this team. But as of right now, there's not a starting role to be had. You drafted Cole Strange the year before. Mike and Wayne has been really good. You got David Andrews still at center. So he was hurt a lot though last year, Andrews. Who? I thought I thought David Andrews dealt with some concussions last year. Well, I know he's older. How old is yeah. he? So he's 30. He did play 14 games. I thought he well, he obviously did miss time then. I'm just bit. saying if Andrews, you know, does Maybe. get get oh so he went on ir in 2020 because he had thumb surgery i know he had i thought concussions last year so they took jake andrews early man do you mm -hmm. just is your last name have to be andrews to play center for the patriots well, i was gonna say you know that's that's why they do it because they they want to know well they want to save costs on jerseys because mm -hmm. they'll just you know if if david andrews gets hurt then they'll just give the jersey 
to Jake Andrews. That and makes then sense. That's you. you know, look, you, Sal Robert Kraft became a billionaire. You know, he's just like, it's just little money moves, folks. That's why Belichick's the greatest of all time. He's just outsmarting. They don't know which Andrews is in at center. They can't capitalize on the deficiencies. Yeah. Yeah. When I was in, when I was in, when, when, when you guys were in third grade learning multiplication, you know what I was doing? I was buying real estate. That's what makes us different. When I was in third grade, we are not the same. I was putting my money in the housing market. Culture changer. Trevor Sycamore. Dolphins. I mean, Devon A. Chain, right? Uh, is there a, is there a different way to go here? Yes, Miami. Yeah, there is. You're right. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Um, yeah, I know you're going to go to an interesting conversation, so I'll go on a chain really quick. Mm-hmm. Listen, I like Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. They both get hurt. Okay, it's and guess what? It's not a knock on them because every running back in the league gets hurt, even if they don't. A chain speed is just a Mike McDaniel dream to play in an offense that already has Jalen Waddle and Tyree kill. So I think a chain will make the biggest impact, but Trevor, Mm. there is a case to be made for the guy that wasn't a first rounder, but was their first pick and a player. I player I had in my top 30. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's Ryan Hayes, you know, beating out Teron Armstead for that left tackle spot. Uh, (laughs) That's that's the biggest Hayes. Step no, on who um, are the impact rookie for the Dolphins. <laughs> no, it is Cam Smith, and it's Cam Smith for if you guys listen to the um team grades episode, we, we touched on this a little bit. I love the Cam Smith pick because in theory, now it gives them five starters along the at, at defensive back, two outside corners, a nickel defender, and then two safeties, all without using Jalen Ramsey. So now week in and week out you can have the flexibility to play Jalen Ramsey however you see fit in the way that is most advantageous to you. Is playing him on the outside against their wide receiver one on the outside the best way to do that? Okay, we're going to play him that way. As uh, did they have? Does the other team have a slot stud kind of a player that you want to put Ramsey on to blanket? Okay, you can do that. If you want to have Ramsey as a free safety for you or as a strong safety getting to roam around the middle in the second level, you can do that because now you have, in theory, five players without Ramsey to start in that secondary. So um, the most impactful one to me is Cam Smith, because in those games, if this is the plan, if in those games, Ramsey's not playing on the outside, Cam Smith's probably playing on the outside. So that's, that's, that's one that I absolutely love. Okay. Moving over to the last team in this division, the Buffalo bills, man, I went with Dorian Williams here. I, it's a great pick. I like Dorian Williams a lot. You look at what the Bills lost this offseason at linebacker and Edmonds. You look at Milano plays the game like he's an F1 driver. I mean, the guy is like 100 miles an hour. He gets banged up, and they are a different defense without him. Dorian Williams is one of the best coverage linebackers in the draft this year, and that should matter a lot for a Bills defense that they're in a division that they throw everybody throws to the running backs all the time. So Dorian Williams for me, although, man, I am fascinated to watch this team if Osiris Torrance gets a chance to start. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the one for me. It's it's kind of an obvious one, but it was their second round selection of Osiris Torrance, the guard from Florida. I think he can have the chance to be the most impactful player because right, he can start. Right. I think that there were some deficiencies along the interior offensive line. Oh, shoot. A right tackle, too, with Buffalo that just have to get a lot better and. 
Buffalo is not really a team that outside of it feels like I don't want to misspeak here. I don't, I don't know all the numbers off the top of my head. So if Bill's fans, if you're listening to this and I'm wrong, please let me know in the comments, but it didn't feel, they didn't feel like a team that ran a lot of power last year outside of Josh Allen doing some QB sneaks and things up the middle. But with Torrance, you now have that ability. He's a major people mover. He's somebody who you can run power behind, right? You can run duo. You can run some counter plays as well, right? You can run some polars with him. Like you can do things where you are just attacking or moving these guards, getting them on the run and trying to hit things up the middle. So I think, I think my answer would be Torrance here. I like the Dorian Williams call out. That's the one I'm, I'm most comfortable with, but if Torrance gets a starting spot, then he's, He's going to be one of the most impactful players. They have no doubt. So the Bills only ran power 36 of their 475 run attempts. There we go. There we go. I'm always I'm always here to slam down the alley oops you throw up. I, I appreciate. We are that. We are the walking Miami Heat. Man. We're the we're the LeBron James and Dwayne Wade of of data. That's what they call us. Wow. That's what they call us. The nerdiest thing of all time. (laughs) All right. The the AFC North, Cincinnati Bengals. Trevor, why don't you go first? I've gone first way too much. And this was a draft that, I mean, the Bengals just, I I loved what the Bengals did in this draft. A lot to choose from, right? When I was going over what my favorite picks were from this draft, I started this blurb by saying I liked all of them. I thought they had a fantastic draft for a team that is in a winning window, especially for where they are. Most impactful. I think I'm going to say Chase Brown from Illinois. And a lot of that hinges on what happens with Joe Mixon. Joe, he's currently on the team, Mixon. It feels like if they didn't move on from him yet, they probably won't. But Mixon gets hurt at any point. If Mixon goes down, like it's no more Samaji P. Ryan there. Brown's the next guy to step a step up. And we saw last year at Illinois how this guy can can he can give you a heavy return on investment no matter what the carry load is. They mm-hmm. use the crap out of him at, at Illinois. So if if they say that Chase Brown, hey buddy, Mixon can't go this game, we gotta scratch him. Uh, we're going to give you the ball 30 times a game. He's going to be like, okay, it's fine. He's he's not going to be sweating. He's not going to be thinking twice about it. That's just what he does. And moving forward, you know, whether Mixon's on the team next year even, and Chase Brown can be the potential starting running back for this team. I liked him a lot. Uh, had him in my top six in my running back ranking. He's somebody who um, he's got the athletic ability to be a starting running back at the NFL level, but I also love his mentality. Like, I, I love how he, how he fights through contact. He's not the most dense dude in the world, so it's not like he's – breaking off of every single tackle and staying up and getting those yards after contact, but he'll always like, he always has that mindset. If he has the ability to stay up after contact, he's going to, and he's going to get you those extra yards. Love the fight that he plays with, love the vision that he plays with. So he is somebody who I think could be a starting back at the NFL level. Maybe not like this feature back that you're giving the ball to 300, 350 times a year, but somebody who I think can even lead a committee at the next level. So I'll go with Chase Brown. Don't think they'll do it, but the Bengals can save over $10 million if they cut Mixon after June 1st. So, man, don't think they'll do it, but not entirely ruling it out. Mine was Jordan Battle. I'm fascinated to see if Jordan Battle can pull away a starting safety job from a presumably Nick Scott. And I, I think 
Battle's a really good player. He mm -hmm. really, really smart is. Smart player, too. And the same could be said about DJ. Very smart player. The same could be said about DJ Turner. I, I look at the Bengals in this draft getting Battle, Turner, Miles Murphy, and Chase Brown all currently slotted to be backups. And I think all four could start week one if they are needed to. That is, that's why I gave them an A minus. They, yep. I thought they crushed. Speaking of that, the Pittsburgh Steelers, unbelievable Jeez. draft. This is the Seahawks of the AFC in terms of the pinata. Just take your pick and you're probably going to be right. Uh, Cause we've never missed on a prospect. I went with Keanu Benton here. I thought the Steelers could use a little beef on that interior of the defensive line. Yep. Benton is somebody that if you need him to play shade nose or true nose or three tech, he could do it. And he is going to slot right in the middle of this group. I think he's a responsible run defender. I think he's got juice as a big body pass rusher, pocket push pusher. Could have been bad. Could have um, been bad. Could have been bad. Saved it. Though. Saved, saved it. it. Keanu Benton, man. Can't wait to watch him play for the Steelers. My heart wants to pick Darnell Washington. Yeah, I was leaning. The answer to the question, the, the question is most impactful. Yeah. Non-first round pick. Benton, love that pick. I think that he is going to be a major impact player along the defensive line. The answer to this is Joey Porter Jr. because he's going to start right away. Um and whether it feels like whether or not he's ready, he's going to start right away. And so maybe the impact's great. Maybe the impact's Lion not so King great. meme. It just <laughs> right, right, basically. Um, <laughs> so I think that I, I think the obvious answer is Joey Porter Jr. But I, I I do still want to shout out Darnell Washington because even if he is not individually a stat stuffer for this team. His presence, I think, is going to be impactful because of what they can do with heavy packages with multiple tight ends in the red zone, on short yardage situations, how often they get to put two tight ends out on the field. I, I just feel like the offensive potential in the personnel that they can throw out there with Darnell Washington, even just on the team, is something that every team has to pay attention to because, shoot, even if Washington's just kind of like coming along, he's not exactly the dominant blocker that he has the potential to be. When you put a six foot seven, 270 pound tight end on the line of scrimmage, the other team does not have the luxury to say, okay, let's just rotate our small little 100 to what? 100, like 215 pound tight end down over it. Like it's just not going to work. It's, it's not tight tail out there, Trevor. You, you have to account for him being on the field, whether yeah. he achieves the potential that you want from him his rookie season or not. His presence is enough. And to me, that's impactful. So um, the, the answer is Joey Porter Jr. for me, but my heart says Darnell Washington for those. Good years. call out. Steelers, uh, second most common personnel group, 12 personnel. They ran it 22% of the time. They want two tight ends on the field. Uh, yeah, they want the beef. They got the beef. Baltimore Ravens, not going to lie, struggled a little bit with this one. It's non-round one, so Zay Flowers eliminated. Mm. I went with Trenton Simpson because smart. I don't think the Ravens like their linebackers outside of Roquan Smith. I really don't. And I think if they get to camp and go, man, Trenton Simpson's just better than Patrick Queen. We'll just play him at weak side linebacker. We don't care. And I think Trenton Simpson is better than Patrick Queen. So he's got to earn it. This is not one where it's like, okay, the path is clear. He's in there. 
But when you just do the evaluations and talk about the speed in the middle of this defense, it, for me, the impact guy is Trenton Simpson. I agree with you. It's it's Trent Simpson. I I think that I think Patrick Queen's probably out of there, so they're going to move on from him. I think they're going to sub Simpson in that role. So I I agree with you. I think that he's he's the pick. I want to say Voorhees, but he's not. He, Is he out for the year? He, I, I know mean, you're doing multi year. I know you're doing right, multi year. I was actually whole, curious. He's he out, out for the whole year. He's out for the whole year for sure. But when you look at Baltimore's depth chart. He wasn't going to start this year anyways. Kevin Zeitler is 33 years old. His contract is up after this year. He has a couple of void years on it, so I don't know if they'll bring him back if, if he wants to be brought back. But Voorhees on one side, Ben Cleveland on the other, Tyler Linderbaum at center, like that's the power profile that they want. That's what they want. So I could genuinely yeah. see Voorhees eventually being a starter for this team. And the answer is Trenton Simpson. You 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 gave the obvious one, but Voorhees does have a path to be a starter for this team if he recovers from his ACL um, in good time and can really hit an offseason program next year. Uh, he can hit the ground running there. So why don't you start us off with the Browns here? Oh, wow. You're going to make me take your guy. I, I have a runner-up, though, that I, I actually plan to talk about. Okay, so I think the very obvious answer for Cleveland is... Cedric Tillman, because he is the receiver who they took first, but they took him in the third round, so it still counts. Um, they don't have a receiver like him on the roster. I guess they kind of do. They have David Bell, but David Bell is so limited athletically that I didn't think that he was going to be a, a a factor for them anyways. Amari Cooper is your number one who you could who you could use on the outside, who you can use in the slot. Donovan Peoples-Jones is your field stretcher. Same thing with Marquise Goodwin. They're going to play that kind of role. Elijah Moore is your slot guy. They need a big X receiver that can play on the line of scrimmage who is a possession dude that they could go to in a pinch when they really need to complete some sort of pass with tight coverage in tight areas. That's Edgar Tillman. They did not have this player on the roster last year, and I think that as long as Tillman is healthy, because you and I agree, we feel like he played hurt last year. If he is fully yeah. healthy, he is a major impact contributor for this passing game. So I think it's Cedric Tillman. Completely agree. No argument for me. I'll throw a quick runner-up at Siaki Ika. I know he didn't test well. I know his play took a dip from 2021 to 2022. This interior defense was not good last year. You need a big, beefy body. I love that they have Dalvin big, Tomlinson. Beefy body. You need triple B. Triple, triple, triple B. B. I love Dalvin Tomlinson. If they go into a lot of games, like we talk about the Steelers wanting to be that two tight end power run team, mm -hmm. you're going to need another big body next to Dalvin Tomlinson. So Siaki Ika was my runner up. And that takes us to the AFC South, the Indianapolis Colts. They had a phenomenal draft, gave them an A. I even love that they got Emil Echior as a UDFA. Cannot fathom that he wasn't drafted. I went Josh Downs here, Trevor. Yeah, and uh, you should, and, and you should, friend. And you probably should, right? <laughs> I just look at Downs. He catches everything. He's a really good slot receiver in an offense that already has Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce on the outside. I get it. Isaiah McKenzie's there. I think Downs is a better long-term player. It doesn't scare me at all. It, it, Downs is also going to help them on special teams. He really, and you know what? Anthony Richardson is going to have some hiccups at times. And he's going to need to fall back on just getting the ball out. And they're going to coach him up on that short area of the field to be better in that way. Mm -hmm. And downs can be your blanket uh, because he's so good against zone. 
So I, I think Downs is the answer here. Yep, I would agree. Downs is absolutely the answer here. Although I'm going to give a shout out to Darius Rush, not Julius Brents. I think Darius Rush could actually be the starter. He's got a two. shot. So I, I think that Darius Rush uh, honestly could make a case for that outside cornerback spot. If you look at our lads right now, they slot Julius Brents in there and it makes sense, right? Because Julius Brents was the second round pick. Darius Rush was the fifth round pick. But I think this is going to be open competition between all of the rest of their corners opposite Isaiah Rogers for who's going to get that spot. Um, on the other side is an outside corner. Kenny Moore they have as their solidified nickel corner. He's one of the best nickel players in the game. So one that spot is totally up for grabs. And I think there's a good chance that Darius Rush wins it. Because I, I like him a lot. I like Darius Rush a lot. So um, not saying that as a slight to Julius Brents. I, I just am a big fan of Darius Rush's game. I'm a fan of how he progressed uh, throughout the season. You know, He's a former wide receiver who converted over to corner. So he's still really learning the corner position. He, he made that transition when he was at South Carolina. Um, Julius Brents, uh, fantastic player. But Darius Rush, I felt, was the better corner in Mobile, right? So I think that he's going to have a chance to stand out in, in Colts camp again. So I'm going to go with Darius Rush. Trevor, take the wheel for the Texans. Big draft for the Texans. A oh, lot of players easy. that. Okay, what? Uh, are you going with Tank Dell? I'm going with Nathaniel Tank Dell, baby. Uh, look, you've got so many targets that are up for grabs from this team, even from just last year. Brandon Cooks, Brandon Cooks led, gone. Brandon Cooks led this team in targets with 93. Second on the team was Chris Moore with 74. That's Connor, ridiculous. Those are those are their top two target players. And not only are those low, so you're really going to want to ramp up the passing anyways, they're not on the roster anymore. Neither of those guys. So, you know, you got Robert Woods, you got Nico Collins. Now you're bringing in Tank Dell. I just think that there there is no hierarchy or incumbent player you're getting John Mechie back as well, which obviously is fantastic. Everybody loves you. You sign Noah Brown. I'm just looking at their depth chart. Now you have all of these receivers, but it's not like, okay, well, this guy was the guy last year. We got to give him his targets. Anybody amongst the group of the names that I just mentioned could be their wide receiver one next year, including tank Dell. I think that he's going to get there and he's absolutely going to show out uh low moving cost. So he's going to be right at home, played at Houston, obviously got drafted by Houston. Um, and so I, I just I, I really do believe that he's got a chance to be to shoot, maybe even their wide receiver one. But if if not wide receiver one, then probably more likely that he is just a contributing guy somewhere, a wide receiver two, wide receiver three. But he's the player that I'm picking here. I went with Juice Scruggs. I mean, they are going to give him every chance to be their starting center out of the gate. And that door is wide open. Yeah, it is. They took him 62nd overall. So for me, Juice Scruggs, if he's even decent, he's going to hold on to uh, that center job for a long time on a defensive line that has a lot of talent. Tunzel's already really good. Titus Howard is taking the right steps. Shaq Mason's a good player. Kenyon Green needs to be better in year two, but that's a good landing spot for Juice Scruggs, and, and he, he will be their starter at center. The Titans. This one for me... Is Tajay Spears. I I look at, you know, Derrick Henry's a guy that somehow is not really slowing down a whole lot, all things considered, how many carries the guy has had in his lifetime. But they needed that lightning to his thunder. They've never really had that complimentary back that scares you. 
And Spears is that kind of guy, whether he can, what he could do off a swing pass, inside, outside running, his elusiveness, his ability to run skinny. They're trying to rebuild this offensive line. They made some moves in free agency. They drafted Skaronsky in the top 12. I think Tajay Spears, maybe the most, the best of his impact comes after Derrick Henry's career there in Tennessee. But I also think they're going to really use him as a change of pace guy for Henry right now. So, Obviously, love the um, love the Tajay Spears call out. I think that if he's healthy, he's going to be a fantastic spellback to to Derrick Henry. Tennessee, I thought they were going to be in the top ten of twelve personnel multi tight end usage. They weren't, although it was twenty one percent. So they had two hundred forty seven snaps last year where they were running twelve personnel. That's a lot of tight ends out there. That is a lot, obviously. Um, that's a that, that's that's a good amount of their snaps that that are going with that. It's it's top half of the league. So. I say all that to say, if we're not picking Will Levis, which is, I think, the obvious, right? He plays quarterback. Right. Yeah, he's he's going to be the most impactful. He's you can go hear that on any other time. show, Titans right. fans. Josh Wiley is somebody who I think could be a big contributor for them because, you know, you got a Conquo at tight end as their starting tight end this year, and that's about it. I mean, they have Trayvon Wesco, but Trayvon Wesco is kind of this like tight end, fullback, utility kind of player, hybrid dude. Wiley's the only other for sure pure tight end and receiving tight end at that that you have on the team. So obviously Skaronsky's going to start right away. And when, when Levis ends up starting that he's going to have a ton of impact, but um, I think Wiley is the other name that I go to as somebody who uh, could have a major impact with, with how much they run 12 personnel. Good call out. Where'd you go for Jacksonville? Um, I think it's gotta be, Antonio Johnson, right? Fifth round pick. Yeah, I was torn though. They had a they had they have a nickel corner need. We were mocking Brian Branch to them for so long. Uh they ended up waiting to hit that and I think lucked out hitting that with Antonio Johnson and I mean, I would say so. He has the talent level to start at nickel very yeah. early in his rookie career. Now, I don't know why he lasted until the 5th. Like, even if you didn't love Antonio Johnson... He's better than a fifth-round player. ...in the second, what happened? Right. Tell me what happened. Were the interviews terrible? What, is, is, does he have something medically that we don't know about? Because at worst, Antonio Johnson should have been a priority early day three selection at the very beginning of the fourth round since he was still available. You had teams that had all night Friday night and in the early part of Saturday morning to stare at Antonio Johnson still being on the board and all of them still passed on. Says a lot. So I don't, I don't know what happened there, but just from the outside, this is an, this looks like it could be an absolute steal for them as a uh, really highly graded nickel defender that we've had over the last couple of years in college football. My runner up tank Bigsby, a little bit of the opposite of the Titans. This is the thunder to them already having their lightning in Travis Etienne. I think to have the best version of BTN, you don't run him into the ground. That's why they drafted Tank Bixby. Tank Bixby, Tank Bixby has leg drive. He can push the pile a little bit. He got no help at Auburn. He mm-hmm. should be a better pro. So I went with Tank there. As we move on to our last division, the AFC West, Trevor. Denver Broncos here. Ooh, yeah. Interesting draft for the Broncos. They obviously did not have that first round pick. They had to wait a little bit. They had Marvin Mims, their receiver room. 
of course. Drew Sanders, their linebacker unit. But I went with Riley Moss. I think this is going to be the guy starting in at least their, you know, nickel group, right? You know, we know how good Pat Sertan is. Not oblivious to that. Mm-hmm. They have Kwan Williams at the nickel. Damari Mathis. Long-term, Riley Moss is going to be Pat Sertan's running mate. And that's something I feel really, really good about for Denver. Hey, they drafted him earlier than I thought he was going to get drafted. So they Remember clearly... I was yelling and kicking and screaming that nobody cared about him? And then he... Dude, <laughs> you were. So this actually makes a lot of sense that, that you're championing him here as the <laughs> high-impact player. It's so uh, true. I'm going to go I'm gonna go with Drew Sanders. Look, I was wary of Drew Sanders as a first round pick. I was wondering if the NFL was going to do it. We had heard, we had seen some mock drafts and seen some people put Drew Sanders all the way up the first round. I was a little wary of that. Second round would have been totally cool with him getting drafted in the second round. Third round pick, big fan. Okay. Now you, now to me, you got really good value on a good football player. One that maybe is a little bit of a tweener right now, but he's not a tweener because of like athletic limitations or body limitations. He's just switching positions. He just played edge rusher at Alabama. Couldn't really get on the field behind uh, Will Anderson and Dallas Turner. And he ended up wanting to play more off ball linebacker and get into the mix of things and tackle some people anyways. So he goes to Arkansas and he looked pretty well. He looked pretty good. I'm going to be honest with you. So if they have him play off ball linebacker, I love the speed and the length that he brings to that group with Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton. It's something that I think he brings to the table that those dudes even do not. And then if you want him to be an edge rusher for you in certain situations, he's the same type of rusher that you're getting out of baron browning and randy gregory and nick benito these speed three four outside linebacker type of players and so he's he is a he's an athletic upgrade as their as their off-ball linebacker and he is a natural fit as a rotational edge rusher i love the fit for him there i think they're going to get him on the field a ton and so drew sanders was my selection here Okay, moving to the Chargers here. I went wildly off the board with this one. I understand how the chalk pick should be Tully Tui Pelotu. Not going to argue anyone on that. Or Dion Henley. Mm-hmm. I, like the Yeah, those guys are going to help a front seven a lot. Yeah, it's, but I it's wanted Max, to show some, Max, Max Duggan, right? I, I wanted to show some love to Max Duggan. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think Gerard Clark makes this team as a UDFA. Okay. They were a it. bad run defense last year. I think they need a big-ass body up front to rotate in and help on the goal line. I think Gerard, I know they have Scott Matlock as well from Boise State, more of an athlete. Gerard Clark, all 330-plus pounds of him on the interior. I am going to be watching him throughout the preseason. I thought that was a savvy UDFA land for the Chargers for a defensive line that just, they got to be a little bit tougher and a little more stout. So, I love the shout-out there. I really do love anytime we can get some UDFA love on the show. I know there are some people in the comments who are, who are looking for us to go over some UDFA. So we're, we don't have a full episode devoted to it, but obviously naturally a little bit of fix here. I, my answer is going to be Diane Henley because I don't blame you. When you look at Henley's skill set, this is a guy who played safety, but before that he played wide receiver. Uh, now he's playing off ball linebacker. He's played so many different positions throughout his career in high school football and college football. I'm sure I'm not even listing all the ones that he played in high school football as such a fantastic athlete. They drafted Kenneth Murray in the first round a handful of years ago to be this athletic centerpiece of their defense. And I don't think that he has progressed the way that they have wanted him to, to to round out his game as more of a linebacker who is athletic versus 
just an athletic football player who happens to play off-ball linebacker. They bring in Eric Hendricks because I think they needed that veteran presence, that those instincts, that awareness, especially in coverage. They declined the fifth-year option on Murray. So Murray is an unrestricted free agent coming up. Henley could be the player who steps in to immediately fill that role, who could be their starting middle linebacker moving forward. And he's he is somebody who brings you that athletic baseline that you won't really drop down too much from what you've got with Murray, but maybe he could be more in the uh, anticipatory category, what he could do in coverage, all that stuff. So I, I think my answer has to be Henley for what the future of him could be. I'm with you on that. No denying that. Where'd you go for the Kansas City Chiefs, our second to last team here? All right. Hold on. I'm pulling it up here. I, I showed some love to BJ Thompson. He is okay. a, yeah. a toolsy, freaky pass rusher. He had the 903 RAS. He's got insane length. He's got almost 35 inch arms. He's about six feet, six inches tall. He's got a diverse pass rush package. He's working on a spin, arm over, can do a lot of different things. I think he's a year away from playing. And we know Felix Anadike Uzama and George Karloftis are going to be their new new duo. But I liked the B.J. Thompson pick a lot and think he's a future DPR on a team that, with Patrick Mahomes, they will always be trying to close out games and have you in throwing situations. So I was a big fan of the B.J. Thompson pick. I think Keandre Coburn's going to get into this lineup, man. Now, it's, it's a pretty stout interior defensive line for the Chiefs anyways. Chris Jones, obviously it's stud. Derek Naughty, great nose tackle. George Karloff, this heavy-handed edge player um, who could play as a defensive end or or even outside more as an edge player. You can eat six servings of rice in Correct. one sitting. Also puts every Chipotle out of business the second that he that he gets, or maybe in business, actually. Out of say. stock. Probably owns, yeah, out of stock was a better way to say that. But when I look at Coburn and what he could be as a big, beefy nose tackle on this team, you have Byron Cowart, but... Coburn probably presents a more streamlined role as a nose tackle yep. than Cowart does. They've got Tershawn Warden. Mike Dane is more of an edge rusher. I don't know. I, I, ju- I just look at it. They have Danny Sheldon as well. So maybe Danny yeah. Sheldon's the guy who ends up being that kind of a player. But if they want to go younger, I think Coburn really can make an impact for them. I think he really can be a nice rotational player with Derek Noddy. And he can give him some good reps throughout this season. I, it's going to be a long one for the Chiefs. We always know that it is. It was either him or maybe Nick Jones, the corner from Ball State. But they got a lot of young corners, so I don't really know how quick the path to playing time is for Nick Jones, even though I like how feisty he is as a corner. So um, I'm going to go with Keandre Coburn. Final team, Las Vegas Raiders. Thank you for waiting around, Raiders fans. I mean, Trevor, there's just no way to say someone besides Michael Mayer here. It's just... To me, it's Michael Mayer. Yeah. It's Michael Mayer. He was the best tight end in the draft. I thought he was a a no-brainer top 15 player in the draft. Was he the best tight end in the draft? I think he he was. I know that's not a... That wasn't the most popular take, I should say. No, it's fine. I'm just giving you shit. I'm just giving shit because you and I had a different tight end one. Yeah, fair. A lot of people did. Um, But man, Josh McDaniels, this is his prototypical tight end. Uh, maybe Raiders fans want something different here. I'll, I'll throw a little love to Christopher Smith. I think he could. That choose. would be my other one. Okay, no. go ahead then. Yeah, run away. No, with that. I was just I was just going to yeah. say the, the obvious answer is you're correct. Michael Mayer, especially with what they're losing in Darren Waller. I mean, they've got Austin Hooper as well. They still have the receivers. You're signing Jacoby Meyer. So it's not like the it's it's a barren wasteland. Obviously, I'm not even mentioning Devontae Adams, who the entire passing offense is going to run through. But 
it's not like Michael Mayer is going to come in and he's automatically the second best receiver on this roster. That's not the case, but he is going to be the most impactful. I think of the non Tyree Wilson picks that the Raiders made, but Chris Smith, I do wonder, I, I do wonder if this dude ends up getting some sort of action this year. They traded up for him. You know, if, and I certainly hope this does not happen, but if anybody either at the strong safety spot or free safety spot goes down with, with an injury, or even at nickel corner, like if Nate Hobbs were to miss some time in any way, is Chris Smith that guy that they're going to put almost next man up? Does he have a good enough offseason, a good enough camp, a good enough preseason to prove that he could be that player? Because we've said this before on this pod, throw the combine out with Chris Smith. He plays a lot faster than what his combine said. He's he's an awesome watch during his tape at Georgia over the last two years. So he is the other player that that I would also shout out as as maybe a, a sneaky, impactful guy here. All right. That is our non-round one impact rookies. A little bit of longer show, but we've been we've been missing from the feed for a little while, Trev. So it's yeah. good to be back, man. It's true. No, it is it, it's great to be back. So to give you guys, well, actually, I should say, let us know what you think. We want to hear from you guys. Those are our most impactful rookies. We want to hear from you guys Smash too, subscribe. of course. This is always a scouting community. It's not just the two of us talking about players. We want to hear from you guys as well. The best way to do that is over on the YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash at NFL Stock Exchange. For those of you that are listening on audio only, if you're already watching this bad boy on YouTube, hit in the comments section, just scroll down, get your thoughts in. We would love to hear from you. Give you give us your takes on our takes. We'd also love to hear your organic takes. Players that you think are going to be high-impact selections outside around one that maybe we didn't show enough love to we would love to hear from all of that we'd love to hear as many shout outs of some players as we possibly can here uh if you guys are listening on audio only you can hit us up on twitter and instagram at tampa bay trey and at connor j rogers uh, just to let you guys know for scheduling purposes um we're gonna be we we, we kind of have to s- slow down a little bit I don't know if you guys can can hear my dog. Made it so far, dude. He, we we made it. We made so it so far. Far. I don't know if somebody's knocking on the door or what's going on, but um, we have to slow down a little bit here with the month of May. So we're going to be going to one podcast a week. I might be able to give you guys something on a second podcast if I've got the time to do it. I would absolutely love to do it. But just so you know, the plan is right now, it's one podcast per week for us, probably until we start summer scouting. Because once we get into summer scouting, we're going to need to do a lot more than just one a week. But that's kind of the plan as of right now. Uh, This might surprise the audience, but we're still figuring our shit out. Tell me if you've heard that before. So, uh, (laughs) I mean, we got it all under control uh, or soon we will. And yeah, we're just doing one episode. It's post draft. We're kind of cooling off. Trevor and I are recalibrating and we are going to really dive into tape soon. I mean, that's the reality of this situation, too. Like we have a lot of tape to catch up on for next year's draft. That'll start for us pretty soon. And we're looking forward to doing that. And we are so excited to have a bigger audience on board for the year round process. Like last year, Dude. there was some of you that were on board, and it's amazing. This year, I feel like a lot of people are really going to be here with us for this draft class the whole year-long process. If this is going to be your first summer rocking with us during summer scouting, one, it's a blast. We go over awesome. as many players as we possibly can. At the end of summer scouting, we're going to go through every single player just when we, just the way that we went through every single ranking. And at the end of it all, right when the college football season is starting, we're going to give you guys a – way too early post-summer scouting 
2024 mock draft. We're going to give you a big board on the top 50 players that we have from this class. And then every single week, Connor and I are going to give you our top five that we have yep. from all the film that we watch of all of these players, which hopefully gives you guys a great baseline going into the college football season for you guys to gather your own thoughts, for you to come back to the show on future episodes and say, hey, finally got around to this guy. Or if it's somebody that we've all been talking about, like you guys included throughout the summer and he absolutely balls out. That was so much fun when we were able to do that after summer scouting last year, when guys were going crazy that we were talking about in the summer and, and um, a lot of the addicts in the, in the chat were like, this guy's going off and you guys were talking. We were all talking. So that's, that's one of my favorite times is just getting to see a, a, a firsthand look at these guys. So I am with you. I'm very excited for it. All right. Well, that wraps up another show. We'll be back. It'll either be Monday morning or Tuesday morning during this one week uh, mm. situation. So just stay on the YouTube feed. If you subscribe to the podcast, you'll know right away. You never have to fear. But man, it's it's going to be a really fun summer and, and we're getting ready to get underway. Yep. Very excited for it all. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. I'm Trevor Sykema. That is Connor Rogers. Thank you so much for listening to the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. We'll see you next time. Yeah.